Former Griswold Tiger wrestling coach Steve Byer is our guest this week on our Why I Coach series. And uh, Coach, had your name down on the list for a long, long time, so glad to finally get a chance to talk to you. Did you always know you were going to be a coach someday? No, not at all. In fact, uh, when I was in college and my older brother uh, took a teaching and coaching job, I told him, I said, you've got to be desperate to work if you're going to let your success depend on what a bunch of 16-year-olds do. And uh, lo and behold, a couple of years later, I found myself doing the same doggone thing. (laughs) How come you got into it then? Well, uh, the situation was kind of like this. I had graduated from college uh, without taking any uh, of the teaching profession courses. I didn't have a teaching certificate. Uh, But at the time, uh, desegregation was taking place in the South, and there was quite a turnover of of, uh, teaching staff in the South because of desegregation. And Terry Sanford, who had been the governor of North Carolina, had been named president of Duke University. And Duke uh, initiated a very aggressive program of recruiting people to teach in the public schools. And they had basically a a two-year program where uh, you could earn a Master of Arts in teaching. And so uh, I signed up for that, looked at it as kind of an adventure told my wife, Barb, we'll just do this for a couple of years, and uh, then we'll get on with the rest of our life. It ended up being eight years in North Carolina. What was plan A for you? <laughs> well, I, I always thought I was probably going to work in the, the private sector, but uh, when I when I got involved with the, the teaching program at Duke, course one of the things uh, they had to place you someplace where you could uh, teach for those two years and it just so happened that the assistant superintendent for Lee County Schools was from Iowa his name was Jerry Seaman and uh, when he was looking at my college transcript he saw that that I had wrestled in college I think he asked me actually one academic question in the interview. And then we talked about <laughs> wrestling and other sports that I'd been in, in high school. And, uh, the situation that they had was they had football, basketball, baseball, and track for boys sports. There weren't girls sports other than I think tennis and golf at that time, but they knew with, uh, the consolidation that was going to come with desegregation because in, in the county I ended up teaching in, Lee County, there were five schools, five high schools, and they were going to be consolidated into one high school. And so you had all these kids that for years had thought they were earning and working their way up to become the starting quarterback or first trombone in the band or whatever it was, maybe the lead in the musical. And all of a sudden, uh, when you go from five high schools down to one, a lot of those opportunities evaporate. In fact, that, that was the more stressful part of the desegregation than actually dealing with the racial part. It was all those kids that had worked for years and thought they had earned a place 
and then had no place. And so uh, in that interview, uh, the discussion was, we're going to add some more sports. We're going to add cross country. We're going to add wrestling. We're going to add more opportunities for kids to make up for what's being taken away. And that's really how I got into coaching. Uh, they were going to pay me $5,600 to teach. But if I would coach cross country, start the program from scratch, coach wrestling and be an assistant track coach, uh, I can remember the superintendent said, we'll give you an additional $450 and that will put you over 6000 So that, that's really how I got started into coaching. What year was that? 1973. Mm-hmm. And, and the athletic department was a standalone fund. Mm-hmm. And uh, the bookkeeper, uh, Doris Price, wouldn't write me a $20 check each month for my coaching supplement. So the athletic director, Paul Gay, gave me rolls of quarters out of the pop machine each <laughs> month to pay me for coaching. Wow. So he, he gave he gave those to me on Tuesday, and Tuesday night was poker night at his house. So I probably coached for about free that first year. I was going to ask. You didn't waste it all in one place, did you? <laughs> so what was, the, what was the dialogue like with your brother then when, you know, after you told him you'd be crazy to coach, and then all of a sudden, oh, hey, guess what I'm doing? Well, and I, I told him, oh, this is just going to be for a couple of years. <laughs> just just going to be a, a temporary deal here because I, I wasn't even convinced that I was going going to have a long teaching career at that point. I thought I'd probably go back into private sector work. But uh, from time to time, he and I had a good laugh over that, and, and uh, he ended up having a pretty successful uh, career coaching girls softball and girls basketball. And I never did coach. Uh, any girls sports but I I I enjoyed coaching and it's one of those things the the more I did it the more it kind of grew on me and I enjoyed it and I enjoyed all the different facets of working with kids and helping kids develop and improve themselves and uh, it, it it really did uh, I think grow on me is a good way to say it yeah I guess that explains why two years became how, how many years did you coach uh actually I I think at at some level, high school, junior high, whatever, I coached for forty three years. Wow! And and that included uh, everything from junior high kids up to uh, back in the nineties. Uh, I coached uh, for the Omaha Indians in the Mink League for a few years. So uh, a pretty uh, wide stretch there in terms of age and ability levels, but. I found it fun and enjoyable and rewarding at every level. Well, I've always known you as a wrestling coach. Would you say that was your main area of expertise? Well, you know, it's it's kind of funny because uh, there are people that that know me almost exclusively through wrestling, and then there's another component of people that know me more through baseball and uh I would say it's about 50-50 in my mind. Uh, uh, I know from a high school standpoint, uh, I probably have more recognition in wrestling. And and part of that's coaching. Part of that's work that I did when I was on the 
advisory board uh, for the high school athletic association, and we uh, we got some things changed: state tournament format, uh, the team dual tournament. Uh, those were things that we got accomplished while I was on the advisory. And I, I'll have to say, I probably never would have gotten that uh, through if it hadn't been for Raleigh Dyer, another another very notable person that uh, he happened to be on the, the board of control at that time. And I could talk to Raleigh privately and say, you know, I'd like to bring this up. And, you know, what do you think? And he'd give me some advice and encouragement. And, and uh, so we were able to get some some substantial changes made during the 1980s decade in how the, the state tournament was operated and then in 1987 adding the state dual tournament. Why was that important to add the state duels and how much of a, a benefit do you think that's been to the sport? Well, I think uh, as far as a benefit for the sport, I think it's, it's part of what every coach uh, tries to instill in his kids. Uh, wrestling, of course, is very much an individual sport. Uh, we have tournaments where, you know, that, that individual kid can rise all the way to the top of his weight class as a champion, and we certainly didn't want to take anything away from that. But we also try to instill you're part of a team, and uh, everybody should be pulling together, and, and having that team tournament uh, helps that. And I think it also, from a coaching standpoint, it makes it important to develop every kid that you have come into that mat room because uh, this was one of the things that first year we had the state dual tournament uh, in the semifinals. Uh, The last match to determine who was going to advance on was between a kid that hadn't won a single match all year and one kid that only won two matches all year. Mm. But it came down to that match. And see, that's that's the team part of it. Every kid, whether he's a, a standout, a so-so wrestler, or a mediocre wrestler, uh, he's going to play a role in that team format. And I, I think it's an important thing. It's an important reminder for kids that uh, we're not always the star, and sometimes it's not the star that pulls us through. So wrestling and baseball were obviously two big ones for you, but launching a cross-country program, I mean, is that something you just did for an extra couple of rolls of quarters to bluff at the table or what? (laughs) Well, uh, like I said, in that initial interview, the assistant superintendent said, you know, we realize that there's going to be a lot of kids lose opportunities and, uh, we need to add some some opportunities, and so uh, that was the spirit that I took that that job in, and I had uh, I had a lot of enjoyment from that, and uh, I I actually kind of used it as a recruiting tr- tool because uh, I would get some of the guys that were too little to play football, I would encourage them to run cross country, and we'd get into shape. Uh, I had one notable kid. Uh, Dan Fitzpatrick that uh, had gotten cut from the baseball team the spring before and I, uh, he he wanted to be a pitcher and he'd gotten cut and I convinced him you come out for cross country 
and I'll bring my catcher's mitt, you bring your ball glove, and we'll work on your pitching uh, after cross-country practice every day. And we did. The next year he made the, the high school team. Uh, he ended up pitching American Legion ball for me. Uh, I, I coached American Legion ball in the summer when I'm, we lived in North Carolina. And then he ended up getting a college scholarship. And uh, about the time we moved back to Iowa, we're out at the College World Series and we're reading through the program, the part where it lists all the NCAA records. And there's Dan Fitzpatrick with the national record for saves as a pitcher. Wow. And uh, as a 16-year-old, he'd been cut from the high school team. So, uh, you know, that again, it, it was about coaching and kids and giving them opportunities to develop as a person. So what were the series of events that made at the right time an opportunity to come to Griswold? Well, it was actually part tragedy because, uh, as I said, we when we first went to North Carolina, I thought, well, two years and, uh, you know, we'll move on to the next phase of our life. And it, it became eight years. And uh, by that time, uh, Barb and I, had both our children and uh, the kids were growing up with maybe a, a once in the summertime visit back to Iowa and they really weren't getting to know much of their extended family and and Barb's mother passed away and that was kind of a wake-up call that uh, our kids were not very connected to family and uh, that was something that we always felt was important and so we started to look at uh, possibly moving back to Iowa. In fact, uh, here again, I, I would have taken a job in the private sector. But uh, Jay Hogaveen was athletic director at Griswold that spring. And, and uh, we, Jay and I had a conversation. And, and uh, Jay asked if I'd be interested in coming back and teaching and coaching at Griswold. And I, I said, sure. And uh, uh, Barb had a teaching offer also, and and so it it wasn't a hard decision to move back. What were the keys in building that Tiger Wrestling program into a, really a power? Well, the you know the the first year I I <laughs> I gotta I gotta admit uh, I probably worked the kids condition wise. Uh, with the attitude, nobody was going to be in better shape. There might be kids that had better technique, but nobody was going to wear us out. And uh, I think probably the the first year, I had a senior, Jimmy Van Busker, who uh, Jimmy was at the end of football season. I think he was really on the fence whether he was going to go out for wrestling or not. And uh, I was able to persuade him, yeah, it, it's worth sticking it out. He'd, he'd been wrestling but hadn't had a, a lot of success. And he bought into the program, and he became a state qualifier. And that example, I think, really sparked a lot of the underclassmen. And they, they saw uh, what Jim did through hard work, and it was just really a uh, an inspiration to the rest of the kids. Now, 
a junior on that first team I had was Brad Hildebrand. And uh, Brad, uh, there wasn't any selling that I had to do to get him to buy into the idea of hard work. Brad, more than any kid I've ever coached, knew he deserved to win. He'd done everything right. He'd prepared as hard as he could. And, uh, and of course, he went on to, to great success, not only as an athlete, but then as a coach as well. And, and so those two kids uh, in back-to-back years with their individual uh, success, and, and, and that sparked a, a lot of uh, determination in the underclassmen. And, and so by the time uh, we got to that class of uh, 84, where Jim's younger brother Rex and Darren Holes, Kirk Russell, Mark Emsick, Tim Teets, Chris Conrad, those guys were seniors and they'd been in the program enough years and worked hard and they were as tough as any bunch of kids you could ask for. And we had good underclassmen coming in, Danny Mueller and, and Brad Reefy stand out in, in my mind. They just all a bunch of real hard, dedicated kids. And uh, uh, here again, it kind of comes back to your earlier question about the team concept, but we won the state tournament that year without an individual champion. And that, that was the first time that had happened. Mm. Uh, but we had five kids placed third or higher. And even some of the kids that didn't, didn't place, like I always tell people, Brad Reepy, the first round knocked out a kid from, uh, knocked out, beat a kid from Don Bosco. And, and they were one of the favorites. And when he beat that kid, I mean, that, that gave us a, a big boost forward and knocked them back. And, uh, uh, just, just thinking back, key wins like that, uh, just so important. You got out of the high school coaching at a fairly young age, didn't you? Yeah. What, well, <laughs> young, young age, although the miles, <laughs> how is it? My dad says it's not the, not the, not the miles on the car, but how often you change oil. Mm. Uh, but uh, a couple, a couple things were were taking place, and that uh, one is our, our two kids had, had grown up, and Fritz was uh, in college, and he, I, I coached uh, high school varsity wrestling another year or two after Fritz had graduated, but he was, he was playing for Wofford in South Carolina in the Southern conference. And for us to see him play much, um, you know, and they, they play a lot in February, which is key time for high school wrestling. And I, after, after that first year, I I said, I want to see him uh, play college baseball. And, and I had to give up, uh, high school wrestling at that point and I did pick up other coaching but uh, not not that was demanding in in February and and uh, early March like that and I was glad that I did because I got a chance to to see Fritz play like I said they played in the the Southern Conference so uh, they played some really interesting places to go visit for a weekend uh, like the Citadel and VMI and, and places like that. And then they, they played their non-conference baseball against SEC and ACC teams. So uh, you got to see some really outstanding teams 
playing also. So uh, that's why I got out of high school wrestling when I did. And and uh, I don't have any regrets. Uh, uh, it was just one of those things timing-wise that was when the time was right. I'm curious about baseball. You've coached so many different levels, and I think it's natural to assume the highest level would be the most fun. But at what uh, stage of the game would you say you had the most uh, enjoyable experiences coaching baseball? Well, I'd, I'd probably say all of them because uh, I, I had a lot of fun working with Little League, Roger Rhodes and Bob Reamers and I uh, did a lot of, of uh, youth league coaching at Grizzled uh, at a time when uh, we really developed some some good players uh, and it and we had fun with the kids. Uh, we didn't just make it fun for the kids. We had fun with the kids. Uh, coaching in high school uh, was a little bit stressful for me because I was trying to farm, uh, trying to coach baseball. Uh, I, it seemed like the, the summers when I coached high school baseball had to be the rainiest summers on record because we get the field ready and it would rain we'd have to reschedule and it was hard to plan anything but i i enjoyed some of those same kids that i named off from from wrestling played baseball for me and it, it was great great bunch of kids uh, uh and some guys like john Mosier and mark boucher uh, they they were a, a lot of fun to coach uh and it was it was just a, a an enjoyable time, coach, and those kids really picked up a lot and and uh, uh, learned a, a lot. Uh, Rod Barr, uh, it was an enjoyable kid to coach. Uh, not the most talented, but one of the smartest, and it seemed like he picked things up. and And uh, you know, it's it's fun when you've got a guy like that coaching the the college kids in the Mink League. Uh, that's really a transition because that's. That's tougher on those kids than than their college, uh, because of the travel, and you're playing every day, and there's an expectation that you're going to play, um, maybe hurt. Uh, you're going to play maybe a position that that you wouldn't ordinarily play, and sometimes that works out pretty good. We had a 19 year old first baseman uh, in 1998 came to us uh, right-handed throwing first baseman slash third baseman, we were told, uh, from the University of Texas at Arlington. And, uh, boy, he he was pretty raw. But he had a pretty lively arm. And one, one night down at Clorinda, we put him in to pitch relief. And I don't know if the lights were a little dark at Clorinda or if he was really throwing that hard, but he was untouchable that night and we used him some more and he ended up, that was John Lackey. I don't, wow. he, he didn't, he didn't ever play for the university of Texas Arlington anymore, but, uh, had a, a long and successful career. In fact, just two years after, uh, after we had him, he won the seventh game of the world series for the Anaheim angels. And he owes it all to you for discovering him as a pitcher. <laughs> well, no, he, he, John doesn't know me very much, but like I said, sometimes, uh, you end up, uh, having to 
play a position or do something that you didn't ordinarily do. And, you know, the funny thing was his dad was his high school coach, but they had a left-handed kid that John swore was a better pitcher than he was. So, you know, it's all when, it's all when kids develop. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that, that summer of 1998, uh, we took the, the team up and played against the Alaskan league teams and we were gone for oh, about two weeks in June. And uh, just for the record, we were up there when it rained at 13 and a half inches in one Sunday afternoon Whoa. down here in Cass County. So I, I got to credit my wife. She, she didn't call me and tell me about anything that had happened or anything else until we got back to the airport in Omaha and then she said uh we're we're staying over at your folks's here for a few days because our house was uh mm-hmm. was a mess yeah I got there's one more thing I got to ask you because I was just struck by it was like a carbon copy of when I talked to Tom Moore with the uh you said nobody was going to outwork us he said the exact same thing in football and you know you guys probably overlap for at least some years there in Griswold, did that help your cause or is football shape and wrestling shape a totally different thing? Uh, there is a difference, but uh, yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because Tom and I both came to Griswold as coaches in 1981. And that those kids heard the same sermon, whether it was on the football field or in the mat room. And I should add, uh, when I was high school varsity wrestling coach, Tom was my junior high wrestling coach. And I either coached junior high or was Tom's assistant in high school football. In fact, there was a, a period of several years there where we had a, a decline in numbers for football. And uh, I said, well, you know, responsibilities that need to be done and you can't just cut football staff and I I said I'll coach junior high and high school for one salary just pay me as an assistant high school coach and so there was a period of probably five or six years there where I saw every junior high football game every uh, JV every freshman football game and of course Friday night and I'd I would uh, start coaching at that time. We had an activity period, the last period of the, of the school day for junior high sports. I'd start coaching there about two 30 in the afternoon. And uh, if we played a JV game uh, at Missouri Valley, it might be 1130 at night when I got home. So I got a, a pretty good dose of coaching on those days. And you never got burnt out. Well, like I said, maybe uh, I didn't check and change the oil as often <laughs> as I should have. But uh, no, I kept I kept coaching. In fact, when uh, I interviewed for the teaching position at Atlantic, I, when I interviewed for the teaching position, uh, I didn't know exactly what they were looking for, other than somebody that could teach physics and teach algebra. And uh, I knew when Bob Sweeney sat in on the interview Mm. that uh, something else was going to come up. And sure enough, it did. And and uh, Bob asked if 
if I would be willing to coach and we talked about uh, what sports, what level and so forth. And uh, uh, Bob never forgot any of those answers I gave because sure enough, I got coaching contracts for junior high wrestling and junior high football. And in fact, one, uh, one summer when kind of at, at a late time, uh, there was some upheaval in the high school baseball coaching and Gaylord Schelling, uh, took over the high school varsity and, and Terry Hinsman took over the junior varsity. They needed a freshman baseball coach and Bob asked me if I would do it. And I said, well, I'll, I'll do it under one condition and you got to promise you'll fire me at the <laughs> end of the season. So that was the deal. I would coach, but he had to promise to fire me at the end of the season. One year deal. Well, it's been <laughs> great to talk to you. I'd love to throw you a million more questions, but that's, we've uh, occupied enough of your time already. So Mr. Byer, thanks a bunch. And I uh, look forward to seeing you at a wrestling tournament sometime soon. Well, you can count on that. All right, that's former Griswold coach Steve Byer.